<laughs> Hello, aliens, and welcome to a special episode of Area 51 and a Half. This is our Halloween special. Ooh. I am your host, Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, are my Millennial Falcons. Snyderman 501, Nick Snyder. And our Techno Mage. Ren, a.k.a. Pyre Lily. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. Well, Spooky Uncle John, they can find us on social media at the Area 51H. That is on X, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. They can search for us on Facebook, YouTube, and of course our Patreon account by searching for Area 51 and a half. Or you can use a Ouija board found at your closest haunted house. Only Pyre will reply. <laughs> Why are they dead? No, they're the closest thing that we have to a cryptid here. Hey. Oh! Oh, are you going to take that from him? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we, uh, we had quite the weekend, didn't we? Yes, uh, we, we did. We went to Frightmare in the Falls. Not together. You guys went on Saturday. I went on Friday. Wise choice on my part, I think, because it was not as crowded on the Friday night. Which means I got to meet the celebrities that I wanted to see pretty quickly. Yeah. And one of the ones that I got to meet, I'm so happy about it, DJ Souls from Halloween. Linda from Halloween. And she's from in Carrie and Rock and Roll yeah. High School and a bunch of other movies. I can tell you, honestly, like in the 70s, 80s, DJ Souls was really kind of it, right? Like yeah. he, whatever role she did she did with enthusiasm no matter what whether the lines were corny whether they were goofy like it didn't matter she did it with enthusiasm and she was a joy to watch on the screen and she was a joy to meet too just a really lovely lady got some hugs from her which i like also met david howard thornton art the clown from terrifier super nice guy nice super nice guy but uh you know it's like we saw this guy who was dressed as Art the Clown, like, bang on. It was amazing. Yeah, there was a, a few of the day we were there as well. Yeah, like, this this guy was absolutely amazing. You could have sworn it was David, right? Yeah. And then I met Felicia Rose from Sleepaway Camp. She always does that face that she makes, her character makes at the end. Super nice lady. Just all about, like, love and the whole thing, right? Yeah. Uh, met Will Sandon. Now, Will Sandon is the actor who played young Michael Myers in the first movie, you know, in the iconic clown suit. Um, nice guy. Still has his SAG card, even though he's not acting, but would love to act. And then I also met Sandy Johnson, who is Judith Myers in the original Halloween. Uh, she's more of a model than she is an, an actress, but like, it was kind of fun talking to her because I, she's got probably the most famous She's got the second most famous kill in any horror movie. First Michael? one, for the first one, actually would be, of course, uh, Psycho, Marion Crane, Jan yeah. Lee, and Psycho in the shower scene. That is the most famous kill in a horror movie. Don't come for me; I will fight you. But I think that the killing of Judith Myers is probably the second most famous one. The three that come to my mind for the most famous are those two, and then Drew Barrymore and Scream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, the whole Scream franchise was set up on the fact that said, Drew Barrymore's in it for five minutes. Oh, didn't see that coming. Okay. 
did not see that coming. Well, that was a nice little switcheroo. That was a great thing that Wes Craven did. Um, I, I loved talking with PJ Souls because, like, part of what took so long, um, we were discussing this, is the one you, you're standing in line and then you have people who have bought VIP tickets that get to go first. And so you have to sit there and go, and just kind of wait. But it's worth the wait when somebody is that outgoing and friendly and just a beautiful human being. Um, but I I loved the fact that we were able to talk about everything about it and just agree that uh, we we love John Carpenter and we are living for his crusty old man face. Yeah. <laughs> he oh. does not give a flying rat's pajamas about anything anymore. Because he, there was an interview that he he basically said, "I don't care." <laughs> yeah, he said, "I don't. I'm not. I'm not the master of anything. I just want to play video games and watch basketball." Yeah, I love that. No, it was baseball. I think. Was it, oh, okay. I, was, I read basketball. some sport. It doesn't matter. It could be basketball. It could be baseball. We don't have the article in front of us. But when I, I saw that article, I went, "This is why I love John Carpenter." Because one, he is. I don't care what he says. He is a master of the horror genre yeah. of the film. You can learn so much just by watching his movies. And he does not give a flying rat's pajamas. He will just tell you straight up. It's like, I do it for the money. I don't care. I Honestly, I think the fact that he doesn't see himself as a master of horror helps cement the fact that he is a master well, of horror. He's very humble. And you know what? It's the, the iconic scores that he has done for yeah. his movies... I do almost see him as more of a, a musician than anything else. Like yeah. He's just, he's phenomenal. Well, I'd like, love to sit down and shoot the breeze with him about anything. Because like, even in the articles, like, I'd rather be talking about the sports. Ah. Like, there's a thing. Like, if you look at the music he's done, Halloween, They Live, um, In the Mouth of Madness, Escape, the fog. From, Escape from New York, yeah. The Fog. Those are all fantastic soundtracks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing scores. Yeah, and he's done concerts with them. You yeah. Know? Like, it's, it's just amazing. Um, but yeah, I, and, and of course, of course, the, the cherry on top of my little Comic-Con Sunday, my little Frightmare in the Falls is, of course, I got to have another picture with my wife from another life, Christy Swanson, the original Buffy from the movies. I loved Christy Swanson. We're the same age, just adored her, just, I love her. Yeah, she's, she's one of my Hollywood crushes, not gonna lie. It'd be a hard sell if someone were to say, okay, John, gun to your head. You're going to choose Christy Swanson. You're going to choose Reese Witherspoon. I don't know. Can I be a bigamist? Who knows? But what, what, lovely uh, lady. Lovely lady. And there is a painting of that woman in an attic somewhere getting older. Because she <laughs> she's not aging. Uh, or she's aging beautifully, one yeah. or the other. One or the other. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, uh, but I, I have to tell you, though, now, I this was in Niagara Falls. From where we live, from our landing pad, there is a direct route that I have taken hundreds of times. Right? Either as a passenger when I was little and my dad was driving, or as an adult going myself and knowing that route. Here's the thing about the Niagara region. Once you get out of Niagara Falls, it's a lot of countryside. And it's dark. Real dark. And they have a lot of roads that are choose your own adventure. Boom. Oh, the road has stopped. Left or right. I don't know. 
I have driven that route I don't know how many times, and yet somehow, and I don't know how, I got lost. Way to go. In the dark. <laughs> and it turned into my own personal Stephen King novel. Because I was seeing dead things at the side of the road. Not little dead things, like, you know, your average thing. I mean, like, big dead things. Like, was that somebody's dog, or was that a coyote? Was that a wolf? Like, what was oh. that? You know, was that a goat? There was like <laughs> eyes glowing in the the side of the road because oh it's deer God. and yeah. stuff, right? And like the trees are overgrown the the road, and so it's looking like spooky hollow. Like I, I'm waiting for the headless horseman to come after <laughs> me, you know. And the worst part is, it's a full moon, and you're oh, sitting there thinking, man. I have to pee. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, because it's a full moon and because you're a horror aficionado, even though you don't think, hey, cryptids are going to be there, I'm thinking, so this is how a Canadian werewolf in Niagara Falls starts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am going to. And, and the thing of it is, like people said, well, weren't you using your GSP? Yes, of course, because I realized I'm lost. But I didn't have the old school GSP with me. I had my phone which the battery life was not full because I'd just been taking yep. a bunch of pictures and so forth and so on and posting them. And so my watching my battery life dwindle as I'm going through all of these places I've never heard of before. No. Don't know where I am. It got down to 8%. And I thought, I have to shut it off now and go by memory because... If I need that 8% to call for help, mm -hmm. I'm not going to have it. And people say, well, don't you have a cord to charge? No, why would I have that? I know where I'm going. I don't think of those things because I don't think of technology like that. So, no, I didn't have a recharger. I didn't take it with me. Why would I? I, I go down Highway 3. I do a little left and I go through Welland and, yay, I'm in Niagara Falls. On the way back, the... Something turned, mouth of madness. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I can just imagine you're off looking for Sutter Kane at that point. I was. I was expecting to see that little thing on the bicycle, you know? I'm just like, <laughs> but, but the thing of it is, as you all know from living in this area, and don't come for me, I'm not trying to disrespect your town, there is no reason at all to ever be excited about seeing Delhi. Except... <laughs> In this case, where I was just like, yes, I'm in Delhi. I know where I am. I Now, do I turn left or do I turn right? Oh because God. I don't want to start heading back towards Niagara Falls. I want to head home. I've had that feeling before. So we take Highway 3 to go out to Fort Erie yeah. every year. And I swear, every year when I'm coming back, I'm like, I'm so lost. I'm so lost. I'm like, Delhi! Hey, yeah. Never mind, I'm on the right track. I know, it's it's <laughs> such a weird feeling because the thing of it is, I wasn't scared. I was, but I was concerned. <laughs> you know? Like, this you, is how I die. Well, it's not so much a how I die, but I was sitting there thinking, I have no way to contact my mother, who is going to worry, who might be laying on the floor, who, you know, all of these Stephen King novel thoughts start going through your head, right? The beginning of a Supernatural episode, where she yeah. says, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and now we'll... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, on that note, time for Nick's Roundup. 
So I'm going to start off the roundup with a little bit of sad news. Over the weekend, a couple celebrities passed away. Uh, one of them was a kind of a mainstay in my, in my childhood as the voice of Two-Face was Richard Mall. Now, Bull Shannon from Nightcore. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Big, tall guy and a massive, massive voice and personality. Uh, 80 years old. Wow, and, yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, that's, that's sad in its own. Well, but... it, it's sad because the thing is, if you watched Night Court back in the day, you loved Bull. Yeah. Everybody loved Bull. I mean, he was just a, a lovable character, right? And played expertly by Richard Mall. Yeah. And then Matthew Perry. And you know you're important in the pop culture landscape when the Prime Minister of Canada tweets about your death. Well, yeah, I mean, really when you think about it, I mean, the Friends was a massive, massively important sitcom. Yeah. I mean, it was right up there with Seinfeld. It was right up there with all the classics. You know, it was right up there. Uh, and I can't think of anybody in the early to mid-90s who really wasn't watching Friends. You know, like it was just that that special kind of sitcom because it talked about that time in your life where you're post-college, pre-marriage, where and you're single, and your friends are your family. Yeah. You know, and to sit there and have that kind of sitcom hadn't been done before, mm -hmm. at least not in, to that extent. I mean, we had the Mary Tyler Moore show where she's a single working gal, sure, but to see that, that group, and, you know, Chandler... <laughs> Was the sardonic, sarcastic one that just brought in all of that great, uh, biting humor? Yeah, and I can't imagine anybody but Matthew Perry playing that role. My, uh, my opinion on Friends aside, I've always liked Matthew Perry. He was one of the more watchable aspects of the show for mm -hmm. me, and anything else I've seen him in outside of, um. Of that of friends, I've always loved him in. Yeah, he it was always the, the level of sarcasm that he reached in Friends is the level of sarcasm that I try to attain in my daily life. Yeah, and you know, it, it, even then he did like a revival of The Odd Couple, which lasted maybe about five seasons. Um, but he was, and he played Oscar, and he was just fabulous in it, right? And so I, I, I feel this tremendous loss for all the fans of Friends, but also just in general, because I don't think he was a bad guy, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it's sad that he's gone. One of my favorite Matthew Perry films, no, one of my favorite films, one of my favorite Matthew Perry films was Save, was Serving Sarah, with him playing a, uh, I guess, I don't know what the technical term is, a server, someone who's serving papers to someone. He's trying to served divorce papers to Elizabeth Hurley from Bruce Campbell <laughs> and hilarity ensues. And it's it's just him being sardonic and witty and sarcastic for an hour and a half. And it's just brilliant. Yeah, he did it beautifully. Anyway. So yeah, 54 years old. That is that is That is my age. I know. That is just horrifying. But one of the things I've seen online and the the online reaction to this has been heart-wrenching but one picture that's making the rounds it's joey yeah. sitting in the big leather yeah. chair looking at the empty, empty chair oh my and heart the, the, the caption is um 
the the one where we lost a friend. I haven't seen it with the caption. Yeah. I the picture's enough. I'm <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> so moving on. We have some rumors coming out of the Child's Play camp. Don Mancini, who is the creator of Child's Play, is teasing a crossover movie with Megan, which came out earlier this year. Now, there's a bit of there's a slight bit of a precedent for this. Um, when Megan came out, Chucky has his own Twitter account or X mm. account, and there was kind of a one-sided rivalry with uh, Chucky and Megan on Twitter, and Chucky was just um, calling Megan out and all sorts of stuff. So it was it was kind of funny, right? But yeah, it's. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the worst crossover. No, ever. no, but I, I, I do question whether or not Megan's too young yet in terms of pop culture and in terms. Yeah. I mean, it was a hit movie, uh, especially for the time of year that it came out, and we talked about it on our podcast yeah. and thought it was a fabulous movie, um, and it's just a fabulous character. Hopefully, there will be more, um, but. Is it too soon to battle with Chucky? Wouldn't we rather see Chucky versus Annabelle? I mean, I'm still waiting for that uh, comedy movie where it's Freddy and Chucky, but it's a horror version of uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving on. Uh, Universal and Bloomhouse have announced... The Black Phone 2. Now that's going to be coming out in 2025. It's going to be the start of a franchise. Here's my thing. How do you get a sequel out of The Black Phone? I don't know. It would have to be a prequel, I would think. Not. I mean, if they're looking to do a a uh, a series out of it, it would have to be more than that. Like, is it going to be based around the kids? Is it going to be based around the Snatcher? Like, Listen, uh, Joe Hill wrote a fabulous story yeah you know it's uh, i i would like to go back and read the actual story i don't we liked the movie we gave it a positive review you and i yeah i'm not jonesing for it doesn't need it yeah i'm not jonesing for anything more honestly no i mean we have we've seen where you can just beat something to death and it's not necessarily good look at the exorcist franchise (laughs) as an example right now I'm going to defend Exorcist Two a little bit here because I, I no I am I watched it recently. It's got a solid story. It's just that the execution wasn't always the best. I mean, Richard Burton does a fabulous performance in it. Where it lacks, unfortunately, is in the performance of um, Linda Blair as Reagan following up. I mean, Louise Fletcher and Richard Burton are great in it considering the material i liked the overall story it's just some of the execution and some of it meandered and went over here and got a little goofy and so forth random james earl jones that which was fabulous honestly as far as i'm concerned i thought it was a complete waste of james earl jones yeah but he's he was not as big as he became after being darth vader um and mufasa Uh, but it's it's just it's not as bad as people make it out to be but it certainly isn't great 
And then you have Exorcist 3, which... One people, of my favorites. People like. Uh, I think it should have been called Legion. Yeah, myself. Uh, and then you have Believer, which is a good possession movie, but not a good Exorcist movie. Oh, you're 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 skipping the prequels. The, <sighs> I I love I love the story of the prequels because you've got the first one that came out that was absolute dog crap, and then the studio went, "Hey, let's do another one. We'll do a do over." So they did another prequel, like a couple years later. It's great, but just anyway. quit flogging a dead horse. I don't think there is much story beyond. The William Peter Blatty stories. There isn't. Uh, but we see this in Hollywood all the time, and I think that this is... Uh, we can't judge. We haven't seen it. But it feels like, no, you had a solid story. You made a solid movie. Yeah. Um, Trick or Treat 2. So Trick or Treat is one of my favorites, one of your favorites. Yeah, I loved I think it. It's now one of Rand's favorites. Mm, loved it. Um, Trick or Treat 2 has been talked about so much over the past decade and a bit that I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, eh, I'll believe it when I see it. But uh, Mike Darty, the director, has said that it is 100% in the pipeline. It's on its way. And there's going to be a, a new, more suitable nemesis for Sam. I don't know what that means. I thought Brian Cox was fantastic. Oh, it was beautiful. Are you kidding me, Brian Cox? Going back to what I said earlier, Brian Cox was totally playing crusty old John Carpenter. Yeah. I mean... From the look, everything. I loved it. And I lo I loved everything about that movie, especially that line from the kid. I can't even. It cracks me up every time. Would you like me to do it? Yes. Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> I just love that. I loved everything about it. It is it's a near perfect movie. Yeah. To be honest, for the longest time, I thought that Charlie Brown's an asshole line was like from the musical or something, or like a blooper <laughs> from the musical. I did not know it was from Trick or Treat. Uh, I what had no idea. No, but I, I just saw it for the first time last week. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Love it. Oh my God. Sam is my favorite. I don't think Sam needs another villain because the way that Halloween has been working so like lately, it's just like kids are greedy for candy. They're greedy for candy. Some yeah. of them. Like, but like that's a that's enough of what Sam has to defend. Yeah, the people are putting their pumpkins out. The kids are crashing the pumpkins on Devil's Night. Like, yeah. he has so much other things. They don't need a proper villain, quote unquote. Like, yeah, but I mean, I loved everything about that movie from the the way that we are first introduced to Sam. The way that it is an anthology movie, but it all ties in together. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's. You see that in life sometimes. You know, like I went to the Flying Saucer restaurant. Love the Flying Saucer restaurant. Had to go there. Uh, but these two young girls were seated opposite me, right? So even though I wasn't in their life and they weren't in my life, at that exact moment, we were in each other's lives. You know, so it's... I love when you see that kind of stuff in movies, you know, where they, if this was a movie, they would be telling my story and then they'd be telling their stories and you know i i love anthology movies so much and like the the like the I call them the love actually storylines where it's like everybody interweaves yeah. and spreads and goes like that but, was the first movie that i saw like that don't give me that face yeah but um, no, but, the, but that's exactly like i as i said i could see it happening this way maybe something happened to the girls prior mm -hmm. so then they come to the flying saucer restaurant to yeah. decompose and whatever, right? 
we know my story because I just told it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I leave the Flying Saucer restaurant and I'm so, lost. So it's like they do their story at the Flying Saucer and they shift to you. Yeah, who gets exactly. Lost in the woods. Exactly. Like that's right? how so the movie would go. I love Ooh. those kind of movies. And that's what Trick or Treat is. And Sam is this beautiful little anti-hero. And, you know, Brian Cox has the best. Like you see this line in so many movies. It's not an original line. But I love the way he delivers it, where he thinks he's vanquished Sam, and then Sam starts putting himself back together. To, <laughs> and he's like, you got to be freaking kidding me. I can't say the actual yeah. word. But, you know. The one thing I'll say is if Mike Doherty was to do a crossover with one of his other films, Krampus, I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But I, I don't know at this point if... Trick or Treat 2, I mean, it's been so long now. And that it could go one of two ways. It's either going to go the way of Maverick, where they craft a beautiful, iconic, wonderful second chapter. Yeah. Or it's going to go the way of Exorcist 2. <laughs> well, I can assure you that I will be dressing up as Sam and going to see that movie when it comes out. <laughs> so, either way. Okay, we're making a date, the three of us, right now to see that movie. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of spooky movies, Ren. Especially one that we should all see together, if we can. Uh, FNAF. Five Nights at Freddy's. The long-awaited Five oh. Nights at Freddy's. We have seen so many movies that have been... Uh, supposedly, they were supposed to be Five Nights at Freddy yeah. flicks, which gave us Willy's Wonderland. Thank you. That Banana I did Splits. not see yet, and I should have watched it before. Oh, Will, Willy's Wonderland is marvelous. Maybe we'll watch it when I get back from work. Oh, but, it's marvelous because yeah. Nick Cage doesn't say a word, and he's just like Nick Cage. So, I'm excited for Five Nights at Freddy's because um, just, like, one, the cast, Josh Hutcherson is the security guard. Okay, yeah. Um, And then Elizabeth Lale is Vanessa, who's a policewoman. So now we're going to get all these, but Vanessa memes again <laughs> off of TikTok. And the man who co-founded Fazbear Entertainment is Matthew Lillard. Gotta love Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Which is hilarious to me because I know a bunch of the lore behind it and how... Like what he does in the in the lore of it, and mm -hmm. to have like the scream slash shaggy character turning into the purple man, amazing! It's gonna be an I, awesome. Honestly, I haven't seen any a bad performance from Matthew Lillard from Thirteen Ghosts to the, the spot on Shaggy. No. I could swear it was Casey Kasem possessing him. Uh, to yeah, he's just he's just a fabulous little character actor. Yeah. yeah. I've I've always loved him in uh, SLC Punk and the the part in Scream where Ski Ulrich throws the phone at yeah. him and it actually hits him. Like that is just he's so I, good at staying in character. Give give me cuz I know that FNAF <laughs> yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's is a sort of a role-playing video game that you'd play on your computer, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't like, um, you know, putting it into PlayStation 3 or anything like that. That's dating me. <laughs> so it's a computer game where yeah. the first one is you're hired as a security guard. Right. You sit in a security guard booth the entire night. You have to survive certain set of nights right. at Freddy's. Right. 
Five nights. <laughs> five, yeah, five nights at Freddy's. Um, all you can do is you can open up the doors that are into the, the room right. and flip cameras. Right. But that drains battery. Each time you flip cameras or open up a door or turn a light on, it drains the battery overnight. Right. So you can only do that a certain number of times. But these animatronic animals, so like Chuck E. Cheese yeah, yeah, animals, yeah, yeah. are trying to get you. So you have to like block the door from Chicky or from Bonnie, which are different character so names. do the doors have to stay open? They, they stay open, and then every time you close it, it sucks up battery. So oh. basically they stay open until you hear it, and if Freddy catches you, Freddy's the big brown yeah, bear. Yeah. Bear, yeah. If you, Freddy catches you, you're, you're done. That's game <laughs> over. Oh, wow. Nothing like terrifying a generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's gone on from there to, like, you walk around the building and you have to, um, like, the building shuts down because of reasons of spoilers. And then, like, the building opens back up and then it shuts down again. And then these ghosts are involved and it's, it's fun. Um. Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I haven't played the games. Like, I love survival horror, and I just, I can't believe I've never played these games. I've never played them, uh, but I have watched the king of FNAF play them, Markiplier. Um, <laughs> which brings me to another point. The king of FNAF. He has played every game on, like, every level, and he's determined to beat them, and he records them and puts them on YouTube. I, d I just think that's a great title, The King of FNAF. Yes, that's... <laughs> um, but that brings it to a bit of the, the the funny part. People are now taking pictures of Markiplier and putting them, like, on the seat in front of them for the theater. <laughs> and they're putting them on, like, the top of their glasses because it's always... Markiplier's always yeah. there. And I saw one TikTok that actually people had a cardboard cutout of Markiplier that they put in front of the screen, like at the corner of the screen. That's hilarious. This talks to pop culture fame. None of us have played Five Nights at Freddy's, mm -hmm. but we all are aware of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I said to Nick many years ago. I said, you know, the, there's a difference between celebrity and fame, mm -hmm. right? Like, my mother knows who Kanye West is. That's fame. You know, that is, like, the ultimate mm -hmm. thing. Like, I, I don't know of too many... People in our generations that have not heard at least of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. I mean, we've all been ter probably terrified by the Chuck E. Cheese guys. Like <laughs> they don't move. They, they like, didn't have Chuck. This is, okay, this was my my lament about being a Canadian. That's true. We didn't have Chuck E. Cheese up here. There was yeah. like one in the Toronto area There's that one, I never got to go to. Yeah, there's one in Hamilton that I've been to. Now, first, is it before, still there? It's still there. Yeah, let's go. Home. Let's We're go. Going. We're making my dream. I gotta so, see a Chuck E. Cheese. The thing that you need to keep in mind with Chuck E. Cheese, keep in mind that their pizza and the and the and the rat are the two main things about this thing. It is the greasiest pizza you will ever have in your life. But well, you get it Chuck is, E. Cheese for your birthday. That's how it works. You could swim in the pizza. It is so greasy, but it tastes great. So I don't care. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm definitely excited to go see the movie because you know there's also the iconic do 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 do. It is also selling out. It is like my my friend Mark tried to see it with his kids, completely sold out. Every time he's gone to the scene, he's like, you can't get a ticket. So it's yeah. he's he mentioned it over the weekend to me that he's 
going to be interested to see what the total box office is over the weekend for it. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering if it's going to be one of those ones where it's going to continue to grow, or is it going to be like everybody saw it on the one weekend and then that's it? As of October 29th, 2023, grossed $78 million in the U.S. and Canada and $52.6 million in other territories. Woo! With a worldwide of $130.6 million. Do we know what the box office was? Or sorry, what the budget was? Budget twenty million. Oh yeah, yeah. So that, that's we'll, a bona fide we'll, hit. We'll be getting more of those. <laughs> you know what? I, that's okay. Something like that, I don't mind becoming a franchise. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it already it, is. Yeah, the game, the game series is its own franchise. No, no, but I just mean movie, mm-hmm. movie yeah. wise. Yeah. Well, aliens. It is time in that program where we are here to talk about our main topic, which of course. Is Halloween, but specifically Halloween specials. Yeah. Which, you know, they've kind of fallen a bit to the wayside since I was a kid. I mean, we've got three different experiences here. Nick, you're from Scotland. You're from the States, Ren. I am here in Canada. We're from two different generations. So where do we begin? Let's hit the common ground. Let's talk about the Simpsons Treehouse of Terror. Let's hit the common ground. I saw, I think, it's probably from last year. And I just watched it last night on the on Disney Plus. Not a plug, but that's where I watched it. Um, it was actually kind of frightening because mm. they spoofed the Babadook. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And Oh, hang on, hang on. Can I can I guess? Was it the Bartaduke? No. Oh. oh. No. It was but it they it wasn't funny because Maggie was the one in peril and Marge was <gasps> possessed by this. Papa Duke or whatever they oh. whatever they called it, the Duke of Duke, I don't know. But they, they called it something else. But I mean, like it was the first Treehouse of Terror that I remember watching where I'm going, this they're really leaning into the horror part of it. There wasn't a whole lot of things that made me laugh, you know, like when you see uh other Treehouse of Terrors, like the Night of the Dolphins, you know, which is just ridiculous and silly and stupid. And when they leave the courthouse. And the dolphins are all out there, and you know they're spoofing the birds, and you just kill yourself laughing, right? It wasn't like that. I was just like, Maggie's really in peril here. Maggie's really afraid of Marge. They do have their humorous points, but then they did something that I thought was completely neat. They spoofed Death Note. Oh! And they did the animation in anime style. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, you saw this whole different look to The Simpsons, and it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I'm going to have to go find that. Yeah. I didn't know that. It was absolutely riveting to see that. I thought it's probably one of the best Treehouse of Terrors that they've done in a long, long time. But for me, you just can't beat the classic ones. One of the funniest ones was the Night Gallery spoof. Uh, which has Bram Stoker's Dracula as the yeah. spoof. It's like with with Homer sitting there going, "Kill my boss, do I dearly love the American dream?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 Mr. Burns is like, "Ah, oh, sorry, you have to take your hand off the button." Oh well, son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites is the the monkey paw one, and yeah. and a nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. Yeah, that is like 
my ultimate favorite well, one. Well, and of course, we, we talked about this when we were talking about the horror literature. You know, the very first Treehouse of Terror with the raven. Close yep. the raven, eat my shirts. That's <laughs> the one that I always remember. Yeah, and they spoof <laughs> Cape Fear. They spoof so many horror movies. Uh, you know, like, it's it's just... Uh, and kudos and Kang. You know, <laughs> like, they've become a staple. But somewhere in the middle, they really got to the point where I was just like, I is this the best you have to offer? You know, and then I think it's had a renaissance. But I, I was just mentioning when we were, you know, not recording that Simpsons really needs to wrap it up. And I I don't mean any disrespect to this, but I was listening to Julie Kavner's voice. Julie Kavner plays Marge. Now, Julie Kavner, I don't know what her age is, but she played uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show had a spinoff called Rhoda. Rhoda was Mary Tyler Moore's best friend on the mm -hmm. Mary Tyler Moore show. So they did a spinoff of this. With Rhoda, Rhoda gets married, whatever. Julie Kavner played her younger sister back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. You know, so I can hear in Julie Kavner's voice, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like, you know how you age your voice kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah, I mean, like. <sighs> Starting to sound like Granny Bouvier. Yeah, it's it, it, it took me out because I felt sad but i was it upset me in a way because you don't i mean yeah so speaking of marge uh just very quickly uh saturday at the con there was a woman dressed as marge dressed as catwoman yes nice yes. nice so in my research for this i can't, i found a neat little piece of trivia for okay. halloween special so john okay Multiple choice question. Okay. What show has the most Halloween specials? Is, is it A? Okay. For, what do you mean by what has the most Halloween specials? Well, the most Halloween episodes. Let's go with that. Oh, so what show has the most yeah. Halloween episodes? Mm -hmm. So, okay. like, the options are Simpsons, okay. Thomas the Tank Engine, or Scooby-Doo. Well, Simpsons are, at like, 35... Yeah, 35. Yep. Yeah, you've got the right number. Um, Isn't every episode of Scooby-Doo a Halloween theme? No. Because, I mean, it's not specific to the Halloween theme. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they're, that was the whole premise of the show as they were going out like ghost hunters or whatever. Oh, okay. okay. And, and, you know, like, and it was always like, oh, it's Old Man Miller or whoever mm -hmm. the heck it was. Ah, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for these meddling kids. <laughs> Um, Simpsons, Scooby-Doo, and what was it? Thomas, Thomas the, the Tank, Tank Engine. Engine. <laughs> you know, probably Thomas the it Tank is, Engine. It is. It is. It beats <laughs> out The Simpsons by two. 37 Halloween specials. But here's the thing. And this is kind of the interesting thing for me as a kid is I don't remember Halloween specials as a kid. And I was doing the research and realized why that was. As a kid in Scotland, I mean. Yeah. Didn't really have them. No. Um, there were a couple of... Thomas the Tank Engine episodes that were Halloween themed in the in the mid eighties, just a couple, and then the nineties happened, and it started ramping up to every year. Yeah, but there weren't really a lot. Even uh, like I was looking at uh, Basil Brush came up, there wasn't a Halloween special for Basil Brush until his revival in the twenty tens. Hmm. So yeah, it really just wasn't much of a thing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting in my lifetime watching almost the erosion of Halloween. 
Because, first of all, we have to understand that Halloween, of course, is based on Sabin. You know, the old uh, Sabin, however you want to pronounce it. There's different mm -hmm. pronunciations. In America, they say Samhain. Wrong. But it's Sabin. Um, from Irish Celtic points of view. And then America adopted it and sort of made what we in North America know as Halloween. And that is starting to sort of spread out into other countries, uh, yeah. Europe and mm -hmm. stuff. Not tremendously. Like I, I read this blog about, uh, I can't remember what country they were in, one of the uh, Slavic European countries, where they're just like, Gee, what, why are you knocking on our door? Do you, want to, do you want us to give you some food? What? <laughs> So, uh, but so it's catching on, but uh, at the same time, I feel like it's kind of eroding because if I wanted to watch a Halloween special, I either have to stream it, I either have to own it, like with a hard copy, or I have to pay for it now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, screw you, Apple Plus. I just, I'm so ticked off that they have it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Yeah, because that was that's the big Kahuna of mm -hmm. Halloween specials. That was a good one. That was Halloween, and like it wasn't too scary for like no. like the younger kids. And honestly, every time someone's like, "I got this, I got this," and I always want, "I got a, a rock. rock." Yeah, that's just how it is. And like, I, I love the peanuts. The peanuts are Halloween because, mm -hmm. as I've been telling you guys, like I, I predate Friday the Thirteenth. I predate Michael Myers. You know, prior to that, when you didn't have those kind of scary cultural things, mm -hmm. those benchmarks. You had stuff like the Great Pumpkin. You had the Universal Monsters. That was Halloween. You know, like all the Draculas, all the witches, all mm -hmm. the, like, you know, even robots, you know, made of cardboard boxes that, you know, like, it's just amazing that we see these great big light and hot displays. And yet everybody was thrilled that we had a ghost that we made out of a coat rack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and everyone came down and they had to take pictures of us like, oh, look what these people have done. Nobody decorated, you know, when I was a kid. And the fact that we put this sheet over this coat rack and put one of those old plastic masks <laughs> and a wig and a scarf and lit it up and made it flash with, uh, like, because my dad worked for the Public Utilities Commission. So he'd bring home one of the uh, oh. the, the, the warning lights, the caution lights. Yeah. And so we'd put that in there and it would, like, flash the yellow. And, oh. and everyone would be like, ah! It's amazing. I love the aesthetic of old Halloween. Oh, now. Just like all that. Yeah, that. but now there are people, and I don't know where they get their damn money from. This dude made a, basically the haunted mansion in his house. Mm -hmm. It's, you ride a dune buggy through their backyard in this haunt and everything else. Ooh. It's a roller coaster. This other dude has this Vegas style pirate show on his front lawn. Like the ship looks amazing. It's all amazing. The cannons fire. There's <laughs> And I sit there and go, I don't know who has this kind of dough. Never. I, but like I said, if I ever win the lottery, you're never going to know, but there will be signs. Never mind where do they get the money. Where do they store this stuff? Like there's, a, there's a guy um, down, uh, just off of downtown. He's got a big know, 12-foot skeleton on his front lawn, and he never takes it down, obviously, because there's no place to put the thing. Yeah. So he does it up for the different seasons, Christmas, Easter, all that stuff. But he never takes it down. Like, where do people, where's, where's somebody going to store a pirate ship? I, you know, if they got the money, honey, that's fine. Um, Ryan, what do you remember watching as a kid? Uh, I did the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Yeah. Um, 
Halloween Town was always on. Yeah. To be honest, I've never seen it, but I remember that it was always on Disney. I watched it. The best thing about it is it has Debbie Reynolds in it. I don't... It, it's got like about five or six movies to it. Yeah. Don't come for me. Please. I, I'm not trying to ruin anybody's nostalgia. If if it brings you joy, that's up to you. That's, that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to crap on that. I, I thought it was god-awful. <laughs> so... the. I, I enjoy the movies, but the thing you have to keep in mind is that the type of movie it is. It's a it's a 90s kids Disney, Disney Disney Channel movie. Yeah. It didn't have a great budget. Probably the the vast majority of <laughs> went the budget. To Debbie went, Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, actually um, my I watched it with my mom and she's kind of a Debbie Reynolds fan. She texted was why 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 would Debbie Reynolds do this? It's, it must have been hard up for money. I said, no. I said, Mom, what happens is that Actors, it's the same thing that Richard Harris did why he did Dumbledore. They have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so they want to do something for the grandchildren. And so a project comes along and they say, hey, here's some money. Because honestly, I, I don't know that she would have gotten a huge, huge paycheck for that. But, um, you know, uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I, that uh, Billy Lord was probably quite young at that time. And, uh, you know, as an example... Of one of her grandchildren. It's like, I have grandchildren. Yes, I'm going to play this wonderful witch and do this wonderful little special. But they were popular. Clearly they were popular because there's like about five of them. There's mm-hmm. Halloween Town, Halloween Town 2, Halloween Town 3. Return uh, of Halloween. Okay, so there's Halloween, Halloween High School or something like that. There's Halloween Town, Return to Halloween Town, Calabar's Revenge, Halloween High. And then a fourth one that I actually haven't seen because... They tried to make it a little more bigger budget with a different actor playing the, the main character. Yeah, and no yeah I, I know you and I um, differ on this. but um, I, I, I enjoy it. It's a nostalgia hit for me. Yeah. Because like when I... I, I was, I was going to say, I think it's as bad as Mr. Boogity, but you don't believe that. Oh, Mr. Boogity. Now, in say, saying that, I enjoyed Mr. Boogity, but it's well, a stupid, bad movie. But, but it also has my wife from another life in it, so... Also has Richard Mall in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, when I was a kid in the 90s, the Family Channel here in Canada was my go-to for Halloween. Right. They would have the Halloween Town movies. They'd have Twitches. They'd have uh, even even some more kid-oriented Halloween movies, like Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. That is like the, the Disney horror movie. It is great. Trying to find it. You can't find it. Is ridiculous. Yeah, you can't find it. Um, go ahead but yeah like uh, it was a lot of uh, fun cheap like they they were made for kids they were cheap yeah but what what kind of bothers me though is that I'll I'll even accept that you know like at least they were doing something right like when I was a kid there were cartoons on after school and you'd come home and you knew it was around Halloween Halloween night there was like the, the Pink Panther would have like Halloween-ish kind of yeah. uh, episodes, right? There was like Bugs Bunny cartoons that were all kind of Halloween-ish, and they did a Bugs Bunny Halloween special. They even did Halloween is Grinch Night, god-awful piece of... of yeah, that, that of came Seuss, up... But, that came up in my research, and I'm looking at it going, what in the... That's, it, what is this? It, it's a bad sequel, that's what it is, or prequel, or whatever you want to call it. But... 
you know, Garfield got in on it, right? Yeah. Garfield's one of the better ones. There were ones from Rankin Bass, the guys that did the... Really? Yeah, yeah. There was, like, one about the legend of Jack-O-Lantern and all this kind of stuff, right? They, there's all these really great ones. Witch's Night Out, which was from Nelvana, a Canadian one. Yeah. You know, like, they, they had these great cartoons and these great specials and all this really cool stuff that now... I sit there and go, well, if I want something Halloween-y, I got to tune on the Food Channel and watch some baking contest thing. And Hey, those are impressive. Though. They are they, impressive. I, I'm not saying they're not impressive, <laughs> but like that's... And they started like the end of September and like really by about episode three, I'm just like, I'm out. I'm bored. But on the flip side, there is like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, for example, which does their Halloween heist every yeah. year. So that's Halloween episodes that are actually pretty clever, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. But that was one of the strengths of the old Roseanne show was that they they always yeah. had a huge Halloween episode, and Home Improvement did, did some too. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that's kind of the thing in the nineties. It got really diluted because every sitcom had a Halloween episode. Yeah, but we lived and, for that. And but some of them got ridiculous. Like I was looking at the uh, Family Matters and Stevel. <laughs> Stevel was a uh, was an evil um, marionette, or not marionette. Um, Family Matters was kind of goofy to begin with. I mean, yeah, yeah, but like it was part of the TGIF lineup, it was an evil puppet version of Steve of Steve Urkel. I think part of it is like I was just looking through a list, and it was like, oh, like Big Bang Theory had an episode, and How I Met Your Mother had an episode, and Friends had an episode, and stuff like that. A lot of them are just the same. The same basic, you know, idea of an episode, just with a Halloween theme to it. Yeah. Like a twist. Like, ooh, they're in costume it's, instead it, of regular. It's an episode that takes place on Halloween. Yeah. Except, I'm going to, this is the, it's it's like the holy grail of sitcom Halloween episodes. Everybody Loves Raymond did one. One Halloween episode. It was the funniest thing ever because... They're doing this whole thing, and Peter Boyle, who played young Frankenstein, is dressed oh, as Frankenstein, no. right? So Peter Peter Boyle's playing Ray's father, Frank. Frank is just this sardonic, sarcastic jerk of a man. And the kids are coming, and he has eaten the candy. And Ray and Deborah are just thinking about being a young couple, if you catch my drift, and you know, why it, the episode starts with Deborah kind of talking about why is it always my responsibility to have the birth control and all that kind of stuff. So Ray goes out and says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it. And he comes home with a bag of of prophylactics of various colors and they're in a little paper bag, puts them in the cupboard. Frank eats all the candy Kids are coming to the door, and he's just like, oh, okay, no, no, let's see, candy, candy. He's like, I'll get you more candy, right, because the kids are having a fit. So he grabs the contraceptives and starts handing them out, <laughs> thinking they're candy. Funny, funny episode. Only, remember that. Only one they have ever done. Only Halloween episode they ever did. So, and and that's, that's the thing, is like there are, with a lot of um, sitcoms, they they are episodes that just take place on Halloween, like the How I Met Your Mother one, right? Um, but like if you look at the way Brooklyn Nine Nine does it with the Halloween heist, they try to make it a very special 
episode for Halloween with the heist. Yeah. Um, and honestly, those are some of their funnier episodes because the with the way the heists are set up and with who win, winds up winning them, they're put into a unique situation specifically on that night. And I, I enjoy that. And I know you do too. Yeah, well, I think that that was one of the, the things that made the Roseanne Halloween episode special is that it didn't feel like it was a regular episode. Yeah. It was about Halloween. And they did the same thing with Home Improvement because Tim gets all excited to make this. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so forth. So um, tell me a little bit more about the the heist. So the Halloween heist started with um, the one detective, Jake Peralta, uh, challenging his captain, Captain Holt, to basically, I'm going to steal your watch and you're going to do all my paperwork for a certain amount of time. And he said, okay. And of course, also there was the uh, declaration of, what was it, the best detective uh, slash genius ever? Yeah. Um. So... Peralta goes through the whole episode planning out how to steal this watch and brings in, like, this criminal to help and this and that. And Holt has to try to keep him from stealing the watch. And he gets, like, the whole precinct in on this. And then in the next year, Holt has been planning that entire year. Um, basically, find <laughs> out he's been spending all that time the year before planning out the heist for this next year. So when it comes around, he's like, oh, well, like, I'm already ahead of you. And he has all these, like, sound clips recorded and stuff booked and all these things happening. And then the third year, it comes again, and they've both been planning. And I think the third year might have been where I a think, twist and, like, Amy wins. I, and, think, I think the third year was Gina. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, but, like, That Gina, sounds amazing. One oh, of them, it's so good. Yeah, the, the secretary wins one, and then another detective wins one, and the two of them are just like, we did not expect that at all. For you guys to be doing the heist as well, but... The fifth one, the fifth one, it was all an elaborate plan for Jake to propose to Amy. That was the fifth one, yes. Yeah. He planned the whole thing, but, like, the two detectives, like, get engaged, but... It's so creative because it's literally like it's also it adds depth to the character because Holt is like very just, you know, yeah, one. I don't want to say one note, but like he just sounds monotone and he seems very serious. But the entire year before he's been planning all this and he's like, well, this person needs to work on this night and this person needs to work on this. And I can't have this person on my team. And like, it's it's so great. The thing I love about Holt in the series and the thing I love that the Halloween heist shows about him is he takes his role as the captain incredibly seriously. Mm -hmm. But as we get to know Hole, and especially with the Halloween heist, we learn that he has that playful side to him, that he has that fun side. Mm -hmm. Even when he, even though he takes, sometimes takes the heist a little too seriously, um, he gets really competitive with it, but it's still fun to watch him do it. Yeah. So I'm going to take you guys back to the 70s. And probably one of the funniest comedians produced the worst Halloween special ever. The Paul Lind Halloween special. Complete and utter garbage. <laughs> now, here's the thing. He had Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West. Ooh. He had Billy Hayes, who plays Witchy Poo. Uh, so that was great, and they were there playing these characters and he had kiss on it kiss was you know at that time uh they were new and up and coming and mm -hmm. glam rock so he had all of the elements 
I don't know who his writers were or who came up with some of the sketches in between, but man, not good. Mm -hmm. I think it played once, <laughs> and I remember watching it at my grandmother's house. I was a kid. I didn't care. I didn't know. Never I was like, again. Yeah, which, but I, I, I thought it was a fever dream for the longest <laughs> time. I was like... I swear to God, there was a Paul Lind Halloween special. And then I found it. It's like, oh, there it is. I'm going to watch it again. Okay. Well, that's a waste of an hour. <laughs> but I mean, this, but this is what I mean. Like before Michael Myers, before all that, like you had to rely on these kind of specials. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if a sitcom or a television show did a Halloween special, that was amazing. That was yeah. like that the, you tuned in for those episodes because mm -hmm. back in the day, you didn't have these running storylines. You know, it was like you could see this episode. So you saw this episode and that was great. It didn't tie into the next episode mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. a running arc of the characters, right? Like, yeah, characters progressed and whatever, and they come in and they leave. Like Cloris Leachman left the Mary Taylor Moore show, did a spinoff that didn't work called Phyllis. That was her character. Rhoda was the spinoff, and they bring in Betty White as Swan Nibbins, right? So they, that sort of progresses the the story that way. But, I mean, there was no lead-up to the final episode. You know, just, okay, here's the final episode, mm. this is what it's going to be. So now, with these sitcoms, and I think that's why it feels that way, Nick, is because there is this underlying thing where you have to completely watch the whole thing, or you're yeah. missing something. And so then the Halloween episodes or the Christmas episodes feel like they're just something sort of tacked on for whatever reason, just because it's the holiday. But I mean, like I miss that time in my life and I miss that kind of feel of something special being there for Halloween. And again, I want to go back to talking about It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. How do you know it's Halloween? It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie mm -hmm. Brown. Snoopy fighting the Red Baron behind the... the the lines charlie brown getting a rock lucy saying things like you know i i think that your costume should reflect your personality and she puts on a witch's mask yep. you know th that opening scene where we have that wonderful score and it's called linus and lucy that's what mm -hmm. the jazz score is called not a word is spoken just Linus and Lucy, they leave their house, no coats, in shorts, whatever. I don't know where they live, but it's clearly fall. It's supposed to be chilly. They go to the pumpkin patch. Lucy's like, no, no, not that pumpkin. Not that. That's the one. Biggest, fattest pumpkin ever. Watching Linus try to drag this thing home. They get it up there. And it's, it's just such rich writing and the perfect ambiance. The, the way it's drawn, the way it, the scope is, and Lucy jabs that knife into it, Linus is ready to pass out, and you didn't tell me you were going to kill it! Oh I mean, it's the perfect opening for that show, you mm -hmm. know, for that, that Halloween special. And now that Apple owns it, it's not ready out there for the masses, mm -hmm. and it's like, this is a travesty. CBS... That's where it was on. Dig deep. Buy it back. It needs to be out there for all the people to see. Yep. Yeah. Even I, though kids I, now find it corny, but... Well, I mean, it, but... Yeah, whatever. 
it, it's a classic. Um, I, I it's it's never been on my watch every year list, but I've watched it. I watched it mostly as a kid. Oh, dude, you you, you dagger in my heart. It's gotta be that every year. Gotta be. I've always liked the 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 peanuts where they go they go to camp. That's <laughs> always been my favorite one. But anyway, that's a movie. Is that a movie? That's a movie. Oh. Yeah, that's how popular. Listen. Well, to be fair, to be fair, that was actually my introduction to Peanuts. Yeah, uh, Charles Schultz and the Peanuts Gang is an American institution. Like mm-hmm. it, it is cultural. It's been around since the forties, fifties, fifties, I believe. Yeah, it's been around, been around a long, long time. And uh, like Linus was a baby, I think, when it premiered. And there was, you know, there certainly wasn't Sally. There certainly wasn't Peppermint Patty or Marcy or. Uh, Pigpen, and it's just been this wonderful, wonderful institution that it's kind of the best part of America, I think. You know, like, I think that Charles Schultz captured an innocence and captured a, multiple generations that could relate to this. Mm-hmm. Snoopy is phenomenal. He's like a well, rock Snoopy's star. iconic. He's a rock star, like, in Europe, even, like, all over the world. Um, and so... To, to have this this wonderful special, it is that warmth. It is what makes you feel fall. It makes you feel the autumn vibes. It makes you feel very Halloween-y. And then a serial killer in a William Shatner mask came along and changed the face of it forever. Because never, 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 never was there any gore with Halloween. And then all of a sudden, and when I say Michael changed it, he changed it, but it was more people were like, I'm going to dress up like Michael Myers and jump out and scare you. Ah! But then we get Freddy Krueger, and that's when the gore and all this stuff that I actually don't like for Halloween. I like the black and orange crepe paper. I like the... Cutouts that they used to put in windows. I like the bobbing for apples, the high school Halloween dance, and just the the fun of going around seeing the bits of decoration. And I mean, honestly, yeah. like getting candy is great. But yeah, yeah, I I, I always did a haunt at, at my house. I I'm getting my back. <laughs> I'm sorry, not going to be that great this year, guys. <laughs> but I remember these girls. They were older. Um, I teenager. I don't care. Come no, no, you're getting candy. Uh, they were scared from like sidewalk up to getting their treat, to getting back to the sidewalk. And I heard them say as they're shaking all the way, it's like, nothing jumped out at us. I said, you're right. I said, but you were scared the entire time, weren't you? And they were like, yeah. I said, because you have to understand something. This is the great thing about horror movies, right? It's not the jump scare. It's not the scare itself. It's the anticipation of the scare. So I just watched a video about how to make D&D scary. And one of the top rules was leave just enough detail and then let their minds take over. Because as soon as their minds take over, they come up with things way better than you could ever think of. I provide an atmosphere, you know, and you do the rest. And what's so funny is that you see these older kids and they're like, oh, they're scared. I mean, you know, like a, a toddler, like a three-year-old comes up and is like, ah, give me candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because they don't they don't realize that people might jump out of them. They're just like, okay, candy. Yeah. And you know, I never jumped out of little kids. I'm not well, about no, scaring but... little kids. And so now I don't actually do that. I will provide an atmosphere, yes, but I make it sure that it's okay, you know. Uh, I think the last really gory one I did, 
people still talk about it. I made it look like I'd crap. My car was, it, my car was a wreck at this point anyway. The door never stayed shut. <laughs> I, mean, I Seriously, I'd be driving down. This is how bad my car was. I was be driving down the road. The door, my the driver's door would just oh my. unleash and come up. And I'm like, yeah, got to close it again and hang out. And well, close that's it. neat. Yeah, I know. I got rid of that car. But I, I made it look like I smashed it into the tree. And that somebody had found the body within. Because I had this torso mm -hmm. that I made for one of the shows that we had done. Uh, it was a murder show. And it was the torso murders out of Hamilton from back in the 30s or 40s mm -hmm. or whatever. And I made it look like this torso or this body had been dragged from the car. And there was this lab that I'd set up. And it was all glowing with like oh glow gosh. lights and had like the electric Frankenstein lights that go and I had this gas mask on and this doctor's coat and the torso and cockroaches and blood and things all over and specimen jars and everything like that and it was you just walked in and you saw all this glowy stuff and people were just like and then I just sit there and go tilt my head like Michael and then I just hand him candy yeah and off they went, but it was, I think that was probably one of the best ones I did. My most creative one was the Little Shop of Horrors. Mm, I turned the port. That was a good one. I just like bought a bunch of artificial flowers and just, because I thought, I'm going to think outside the box here. And I had like an Audrey 2 and mm -hmm. a couple of them actually. And I just, I, I, I had these. You could find them. It was just like this this little hedge ball. And I cut it in half and then stuck a bone in it like it was eating mm -hmm. it, you know. So I made all of these things and uh, dressed as Seymour and uh, you know, had bandages on my fingers. And everybody loved it. It was, it was so much fun. Um, and I, I think that that's what is hurting me this season because I've said to friends, it doesn't feel very Halloween, at least not around here this year. It's kind of hurting me a bit because most people are doing that, that trunk or treat. If you do it, don't come for me. I think it's stupid. I mean, I, I get that there was this whole safety thing at some point. Everyone was afraid that some unknown child snatcher was out there to get you. And then we have to make Halloween safer somehow. And it's like, if you are taking your kid out trick or treating, how much more safer are you going to be? Exactly. You know, like, you don't need to go to a parking lot and, ha like, if you have them and you enjoy them, that's fine. Um, but I, I see trick-or-treating declining. I see all these things. And you know what? You are robbing yourself of this rich experience. On one of the groups I'm on, they said, oh, when do you all give out your spooky buckets? And I wrote back, the hell is a spooky bucket? Mm -hmm. You know, and... They, they end the comments like they don't let you comment because people are just like, this is the stupidest thing. So what it is, is the kids like the I, I agree with this one guy's probably around my age, but it's like, isn't trick or treating enough? They give they make a like an Easter, Easter basket, Nick. And I don't know who brings it, whether it's like some witch or whether it's the great pumpkin and they give it to their kids. And it's like, OK, so are you giving them that in place of taking them out trick or treating? Because let me tell you something about Halloween. As a single guy, Christmas does not thrill me. I'll tell you why it doesn't thrill me. Because I am alone. I am completely, utterly alone. It's me and my mother, and that's it. Halloween, I'm out there. I see the neighbors. I see the kids. I see 
friends. We're all having a good time. You can talk to this the one time that you can go up and go, hi, neighbor. And it was like, hey, Christmas? I don't see my neighbors. They're busy doing their, their own thing. Enjoy those moments. Put on the Great Pumpkin. Put on your favorite episode of sitcom. Go out trick-or-treating. Go trunk-or-treating. Whatever, you know? Like, just enjoy it. And that is exactly what I said earlier about how Halloween or trick-or-treat 2 doesn't have to have a big bad guy. That's the problem. Like, yeah. That's what's going on with Halloween. Yeah. Sam has plenty to fight. Yeah, why, no... does, why does Leslie Bibb get, get off in the first five minutes? Because, like, she's taking down the decorations before Halloween's over. And Sam's like, no, no. Yep. And I love all of the John Carpenter references. In the oh, movie. I know. From Michael Myers to Christine, like it's just to John Carpenter himself. Well, like, like it's a love letter to John Carpenter. It, it does at times feel like a John Carpenter film. It really does. A very stylized John Carpenter film, but a John Carpenter film nonetheless. Yeah, and you know, it's just like put put on a scary movie. If scary movies aren't your thing, then put on Hocus Pocus. Do something. Enjoy the season. It is not about the devil. It is not about witchcraft it's not like the witch is like the iconic you know symbol for halloween but it's not about that put on the witches we haven't even talked about that what a great movie that is oh the makeup job on angelica houston oh, oh my god talk about practical versus uh cgi i will take the practical any day because the cgi in the remake not so great so going back to the 90s mm -hmm. One of the big ones for me, and when it was being when it, when it was first announced, to the point when it was actually shown here in Canada, it was done up to be this big event, and it was the very first episode of Goosebumps. Oh, it was the Haunted Mask, Haunted Mask Part One and Two, but it was done as a little mini movie. And when I say it, like it was. Hyped up advertisements, first step. Now, first and foremost, a little bit about Goosebumps and me. I fully believe that the Goosebumps books are why I am obsessed with horror to begin with. Oh, yeah, it starts in childhood. It always yeah. does. Uh, and I love the Goosebumps books, and I ate those up, and then the series hit, and I was like, oh, oh, yes, I need to see this. And the Haunted Mask, um, when it hit, it was massive. It, I was looking at, I didn't find the Canadian ratings, but I was looking at the uh, Nielsen ratings for the States. An 8.9% share, which means 7 million households tuned into that. That's impressive. That's huge. Yeah. For a kid's show, yeah. that's massive. But you tuned in, and there was an opening uh, introduction from R.L. Stein. It was my first time seeing R.L. Stein. And I was like, huh. So that's the kid's master of horror. That's, uh, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the, 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 the starred um, Catherine Long as uh, Carly Beth, who was sick of being scared by her peers. So she went into this shop, this creepy shop, to find something, anything to scare her bullies with. And she found this mask that she thought was perfect, but the shopkeeper wouldn't sell it to her. And later on, she finds out why, but she steals it, and off she goes. And it was, the, the, the mask looked gray. The, this, the part where, like, she pulls down her shirt a bit, and you see that she's actually becoming the mask. Like, it looked absolutely fantastic. The girl actually was nominated 
for a Gemini Award. For those who don't know, a Gemini Award is the um, the Canadian version of the uh, Emmys and the, yeah, 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 essentially, sort of like the Emmys and the Oscar had a baby. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it was a huge, huge thing, and it was treated. Like I said, it was treated like a huge event for us at that age. Um, and it was a couple nights before Halloween that it came in. And it was it was wonderful. Yeah, I loved like, it. like when I was a kid, there was Halloween contests on television shows and all kinds of stuff. And there was the Pumpkin Patrol that went around making sure that kids were safe and everything else. It was sponsored by one of the, the cable networks here in, in town. And it was it was like you could see masses of kids out trick-or-treating. Now, uh, there was one year, it was done before the 6 o'clock news was over. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to have fun too, man. Okay, aliens, we're going to start wrapping up, and we're going to make some recommendations for you to make the spooky season just a little bit spookier, so that when you're done trick-or-treating tomorrow night, and hopefully you are out trick-or-treating, you can come back and uh, share your candy and uh, have a little have a little party for yourself. For We'll start off with adults. For adults who like to be scared, uh, let's make some recommendations. First and foremost, the classic Halloween. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Got to have that. Got to see Laurie Strode and the, the girls fighting Michael Myers, Dr. Loomis trying to find him and chase him. Any of the Halloween movies, even the bad ones, would be great for this time of year. The best ones, Halloween, uh, Halloween 2018. John Carpenter's Halloween and Halloween 2018. Yep. Don't necessarily recommend the Rob Zombie one. Not, not because it's bad. It's not bad. But it's more visceral. Like if it, if you're into gore, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so any of the Halloween movies would be good. Another one of our favorites, Nick, Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead. It's got one of the best witches ever. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, ha- I think Haggis. Haggis, yeah. yeah. I mean, just that whole swamp witch atmosphere. And she warns, was like, ah, Harley, you don't want to do this. Yeah, terrible idea, but... I'm a witch, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let you have it, and there's gonna be a, Just, a problem. Unlike the Halloween series, avoid the sequels. The first one's good enough. <laughs> I, yeah, I barely knew that there were sequels. Um, Ren, you had some choices for children. For children or the younger audience, uh, Hocus Pocus is good. Casper is always a classic. Yeah, for people that don't like to be scared but also want to. Have that feel. You can't go wrong with reruns of the Munsters or the Adams Family, both the movies and the Adams Family. Yep. Not the Adams Family Halloween special, though. That was just. If you want to, for the kids, if you want, or a family, if you want, to, uh, if you want a sequel that really, really, it's not a great sequel, but it does nail the feeling of Halloween. Uh, Casper, a spirited beginning, which actually has the voice of James Earl Jones in it, which is kind of cool. But, yeah, that's that's a good one, too. Back to adults that maybe don't want to be scared, maybe want to have a little bit more fun. The queen of Halloween herself, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yep. Look that up. Everything is about it. It is so Elvira. It is so late 80s, early 90s. It is the perfect little Halloween movie, even though it doesn't take place at Halloween. But you can't have Halloween without Elvira. And back to my day, like any of the Universal Monster movies, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Dracula, they're all playing on TCM. Turner Classic Movies, they're, they're, from now until, like, November 1st, uh, there are all these great horror movies that TCM is playing. 
Um, the Hammer Horror films are great. Um, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Oh yeah. Dracula Dead and loving it. Yep. And of course, going back, the the man himself that personifies Halloween. Find yourself a Vincent Price movie. Yeah. Particularly the Abominable Doctor Fives. That is a great movie to play around this time of year. And, you know, you choose any one of these suggestions for your Halloween night, and you're going to have a good time. And if you can find something wicked this way comes, that is like... Yes! That is... Uh, it's hard to find, but if you can find it, ooh, get it. I tried to find it at the con. No luck. Yeah, I know. I, I, It's like the holy grail now of... like it's, Disney did two horror movies, The Watcher in the Woods and uh, something with... Wicked This Way Comes, based on a Ray Bradbury novel, and uh, really great stuff. So, aliens, that's all the time that we have for our Halloween special. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. Uh, they can find us on social media at the Area51H. That is for TikTok, X, Instagram, and Threads. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon by searching for Area51.5. And, and again, I mean, try the Ouija board. Let me know how it goes. Or crystal ball. Crystal ball, yeah. We crystal could do ball. That. that could work. Just don't leave it out in the sun. No, no. I'll polish mine up. I have one. I'll polish it up. You can get a hold of me that way, you know. Get all the, the energy and the voodoo and the voodoo and the hoodoo and... That you do the, so well. That you do so well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, aliens. Well, uh, for Nick and Ren, this is Spooky Uncle John, and we're all wishing you a... Happy, happy Halloween! Halloween.